Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm high for this. I'm not low. <laughs> Welcome to episode 224, High Incident. The first and only high incident? The only. The only high. Whew. Only high incident. Oh, Which is funny, nice. considering I imagine most of the people in the... 2900 arena <laughs> or on something I'd hope so be a beer weird uh, weed or other I'm gonna guess there's a lot of other in there <laughs> a lot of other yeah I think you'll you need, you need to take something before and after the bump this is uh, named after so the show would take place on October 26th, 1996, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,350. What were they charging for these tickets? Why was ECW always broke? They sell out, I mean, this isn't a full sellout, but it's about as close as it gets. I mean, tickets probably anywhere from 15 to 20, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking. It's like, and that might be on the high end. Yeah. yeah. What what do they do with all this money? They they got them hanging from the rafters for years. Just curious. Just thinking out loud. But we are back in Philly. Yeah, we are. So Shane, did you do what you do? Well, yes and no. I did what I do. As far as yes, I brought something with me today. However. I did not have to seek it out, as I normally would have. We get high with a little help from our friends? <laughs> exactly. For what feels like the first time and I don't know how long, we got a, uh, a little help from somebody on the uh, interwebs via our email. Been asking on the end of a lot of these shows of anybody that's been to Philly, anybody that knows anything about Philly to send me some ideas and... They must have got tired of hearing it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's like, hey, Shane, shut the fuck up. Actually, I'm going to read their little email that they sent. We're just going to call him Joe. Last name uh, redacted. Exactly. Uh, fellas, I asked ChatGPT to create an ECW cocktail menu and here's what I got back. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different cocktail options on here. So I just kind of closed my eyes and pointed. And you got to save the other ones for later. Exactly. <laughs> got got some ideas now. That'll tie us over until seven mm, seven weeks from now. Yeah. Few weeks. <laughs> Few weeks. What we ended up with is uh, actually a very beautiful concoction. The alcohol level on it it has two ounces of alcohol per per beverage, but it does not have a very strong alcoholic taste to it, so it is very deceiving. It's the Raven's Revenge. As it says in the email, embrace the darkness with this mysterious blend of, I had to substitute what is written on here as black vodka because I guess black, black vodka is illegal in the United States or something like that. I don't, yeah, know. I don't even know what it is. I just did some basic vodka and added a little bit of black cherry juice to it as well as cranberry juice and a splash of lime 
served in a chilled martini glass and garnished with a blackberry. I took some very beautiful pictures of this drink. It was very surprising. Very, very fruit forward. The alcohol is not there. It's got a nice tartness to it. Very refreshing on this, what feels like I literally had to ask degrees. if there was alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like... Typically, I don't give me make about a, seven more yeah. of these. Uh-huh. Typically, like I a, don't make a second drink, but I'm thinking I might make another round of these because these were pretty damn tasty. It kind of reminds me of like a, a thinned out, like black cherry Jello. I can see that. You know what I mean? Like it's like, you know it's not as yeah. not as strong of a flavor. It's a little smooth and juicy. Might have to uh, maybe add a splash more alcohol to it in the next one, but ah. Uh. Cheers. I Thank already, you, Joe. I took mine back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe, for your uh, amazing idea. And if you're listening to this, send us your... Or actually, I guess we can just reach out to you via email so we can get your uh, mailing address to shoot you one of those uh, WHX uh, Magnets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is more helpful than a five-star review. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but it feels like it. How many stars would we give this drink? Any drink that I'm like, I want more of them, is a five-star in my book. There we go. Yeah, why not? Why exactly. Not I mean, I have no complaints about it. it five was stars all around. Joe, you're a bad motherfucker. Thank you. And I haven't seen the list, of the list, so I don't know what the other ones uh, are. I'm excited to find out as we uh, move through. There's some creative your, ones. Uh, so. our, our AI cocktail menu. AI's got to be useful for something, right? Exactly. Yeah. Never had a robot make a drink for me, so... <laughs> Thanks. We, we promise we're real. Actually, I take that back. I guess I have used one of those like hospital old timey coffee machine. Oh yeah, vending. But bullshit. not not a robot like the robot from Rocky. Yeah. Oh, that robot. <laughs> Frank, what's his name? I wanted uh, one of those. I wanted one from Revenge of the Nerds. Is his name Frank? What's his? Uh, what's? Polly. 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 Yeah. Polly was fucking that robot. That's my take. <laughs> <laughs> Well, something that would happen the same, around the same time as High Incident, actually, the same night, the World Series between the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves would end in six games. The Yankees would capture their first World Series title since 1978 and 23rd overall. This would also be the beginning of a new dynasty, as New York would end up winning four championships over the course of the next five years. So were the Yankees kind of, like, inert between 78 and 96, or just a big, oh, very long rebuilding period, or were they just, like, always got close and then couldn't clinch it? They weren't very good in the 80s, as it was, like, Steinbrenner bought the team in the late 70s, and just kind of threw money at everything, but it never really helped the team Yeah, get anywhere. Huh. But they didn't go as long as, uh, you know, like the Red Sox or anything. No. <laughs> I think it was with the help of, like, Seinfeld in the 90s where Costanza was working at... Yeah, Costanza uh, <laughs> was the traveling secretary. Yeah, that, that kind of... Oh, was he wor- yeah, he was working for the Yankees, but wasn't he a Mets fan? Or no, Jerry. Sorry, Jerry Jerry's, Jerry's a Mets, Mets fan. fan. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm wondering if Seinfeld helped uh, throw a little, <laughs> a little new light or new audience on the uh, the Yankees. Was was Jeter on the team back then? Jeter was on this team. This was his uh, first year. 
Oh well. Well, there you go. That's that's all. That's your answer right there. Your good luck yep. charm. They got a they got a Jita. Absolutely. Well, we really don't need to talk about baseball much more. Nah, nah. We're in Philly. That's we're about all I know about baseball. Yeah, I know there's in... Derek Jeter, and that's that's like the only name I can think of right now. So, <laughs> if, if I had, to, if we had to go back and forth naming uh, baseball players, it would be a short game. Yeah. <laughs> there's some. I, don't, I could go names for a while. I, could come I know you up could. With from it's always sunny in Philadelphia that Max always throwing out there, but I don't even know if those are real people. Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> probably all played for the Phillies. Probably. Well, the Olympic theme begins to play, and out walks Kurt Angle. It's true, it's true. A 1996 Olympic gold medalist. Look at all that hair. Right? Such a baby face. His, look, his neck is normal-ish. <laughs> Freshly broken, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. He joins Joey Styles in the ring, who proceeds to bring in little Guido and gives his accomplishments as an amateur wrestler. And Guido says it's an honor to meet Kurt, shaking his hand with Angle wishing him luck in his match. Joey then wants to know if Kurt will be impressed with this man, and out comes Taz, Bill Alfonso and Team Taz. Foreshadowing. I know Taz is getting cheers. What happened? Because he's a badass. I know. I mean, it's one of those things like eventually it has to happen, but he's been booed for so long. The human suplex machine takes the mic, shakes Angle's hand before saying he has respect for him, wanting to sit with Styles to tell the world how great of a professional wrestler Taz is. So we go to our first match, Little Guido versus Taz with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz in a shoot rules fight. And Kurt does join Joey for commentary for this very match. And the two men trade amateur-style holds and throws, with Angle wondering what happens if they get into a stalemate, when Guido makes the ropes to cause a break. Taz goes in for a takedown, but little Guido avoids and delivers multiple kicks, only to have his leg caught on the third attempt, being leg-dragged over into a bow-and-arrow hold. Back to the feet, the human suplex machine hits a short-arm clothesline and a fireman's carry. Only for Guido to fight back with the sleeper. But Taz just dumps him down to the mat and locks on a cross arm breaker until little Guido makes the ropes. I know it's funny that Taz uh, does the short arm clothesline, takes the time to mock Sabu in the ring, and then hit the fireman's carry. It's like, ah, I'm not even worried about this guy. His name's Little Guido. They fight over a waist lock, with the human suplex machine gaining the advantage to attempt a German suplex. But Guido blocks momentarily until Taz just deadlifts him over for the suplex. The human suplex machine then hits a T-bone Tazplex before applying the Taz mission for the submission and the win. Post-match, the human suplex machine grabs the mic to shout out Kurt once more before proceeding to talk about Sabu, who's still ducking him, and he's tired of waiting. Oh, Taz is like, yeah, that was a gold medal performance that I just put on. <laughs> I don't even I don't even need a medal. I'm just going to give myself a uh, verbal medal. And we go to our second match. Chris Candido versus Spike Dudley. Yeah, hey there, little buddy. I know, it was a new new Spike and a returning Chris Candido. And the crowd chants, "We want Sunny." But also gives Chris a big cheer as well before chanting 
Skip is dead. Hell yeah. And he comes out in, to back in black, which is nice. He's not wearing goofy colors anymore. Exactly. He's wearing black trunks. Looks like a, a real wrestler now, not just a cartoon character. Yeah. I guess we probably should have mentioned this earlier. This is not an actual event that can be found. It was a video that we had to find out on the internet that's basically a compilation of a few hardcore TV where they yeah. throw the matches together. Yeah, this is it's it was So we get the actual music. Yeah, that's the, kind of the reason why. The night is called High Incident, but uh, and it was shot on October 26th, but it aired October 29th and November 11th. So yeah. you know, they split it up. You know how they do on ECW. But the match gets going with Candido taking down Spike and nailing an elbow drop, followed by a side headlock takedown and a stomp to the head. Dudley runs the ropes and delivers a head scissors, only for Chris to come right back with a German suplex. That sends Spike landing on his head. Candido whips Dudley hard into a corner and hits a vertical suplex as the crowd seems to be looking on to something in the crowd. Hmm. Maybe Tammy Lynn in the Eagle's Nest? You know, maybe. Tammy Lynn, damn, that makes her just sound like such a fucking hillbilly. <laughs> yep. Tammy <laughs> Lynn Sitch. Chris with a snapmare and a leg drop before dropping Spike onto the ropes gut first and knocking him down to the floor. Candido drags Dudley back in and sets him on the top rope before climbing up as well to deliver a super bomb for the pin and, and the win. win. Super, super, super bomb. He gets the welcome back chant. Big ups to Spike Dudley for taking that that face, or like, you know, face first bump to the corner so well. It looked like he just took it straight to the throat. It was... It was, it was yeah. yeah. We all know Brett goes to that corner hard, but uh, Spike may have just may have just messed up. <laughs> but he'll put it look great. I don't know. It's, I think Spike being as small as Spike is in comparison to a lot of others, him doing a move similar to what Brett does there is just just gonna yeah. He can ragdoll himself a little yeah, differently. It's gonna look a whole lot worse because it's like a you know somebody's throwing a twelve year old. Yeah, exactly. Post match, Chris takes the mic. And gets emotional as the crowd welcomes him back, as he hasn't been in ECW country since 1993, episode 91 for us. Damn. And Candido talks about the WWF taking Sonny off the road before plugging Livewire, which she now hosts. Yeah, he kind of puts over WWE a little bit. He continues by saying he won't talk bad about the WWF because he wouldn't have a lot of things if it wasn't for Vince McMahon. But he gave his notice so he could come back to the place where he was at for the very first show. The greatest bingo hall in all the world. He's proud to be back and is here to be great in ECW and make ECW great again. Unlike the miserable (laughs) shithole it is now. Oh. Followed by flipping off the crowd and leaving to the back. Oh boy. Who, Who gave him this idea? Was it Shane Douglas? Hmm. <laughs> very very similar uh, here I am but you know you missed me now fuck off yeah I mean what a yeah what a great tag team those guys could be does that ever happen I don't know if it happens but it sounds okay. it, just in my head I'm like those would be, that would be a great tag team I don't know if they ever do it I'm sure they do because they, beca- they become the new triple threat oh okay didn't know that but I mean those guys they're both great it seems it, it just makes sense both great, look great, blonde guys. 
handsome blonde guys that can be dickheads. A couple of body donnas. Yep. <laughs> well, let's run it back. We go to our third match. Cody Michaels versus the franchise Shane Douglas with Francine for the ECW World Television Championship. And Joel Gertner joins Joey for commentary on this one. The, maybe the best worst look. Bow tie, jacket, no shirt. Hairy chest. <laughs> Hairy chest. Just, yeah. Drink full it on, in. Ch- full on chubby Italian <laughs> looking motherfucker. Drink it in. <laughs> the franchise takes the mic to taunt the crowd before threatening to leave because the crowd is letting them know what they think of Francine. Um, they seem to think she's a whore. <laughs> All of a sudden, Pitbull number two runs out, but he's being held back by wrestlers and referees as we go to a commercial. Let him go. Let him go. And back to the action, Cody atomic drops Shane before hitting in a leaping forearm for a two count. Michaels with a body slam and a missile drop kick for a near fall, followed by a crossbody that gets a two count. Who is this Cody Michaels? Him and Shane actually trained together oh. when they were... Coming into the business. Yeah. That's really basically it it for him. <laughs> yeah. He never gets past, you know, Jobber to the Stars type stuff. Yeah. Probably because he picked such a bad name. I mean, I think it's his real name. <laughs> Cody Michaels. I get creative. I guess if you're just going to job out, you know, what does it matter? Cody's eyes are raked with Douglas charging in afterwards, only to be back body dropped out to the floor. Michaels would follow out with a baseball slide that sends the franchise into the guardrail before nailing a running chair shot to the head. And Cody sits Shane on the chair before leaping off the apron with a crossbody, followed by rolling him back in for the pin. And no, Douglas kicks out. You had me there. I thought Cody Michaels might have pinned Shane Douglas. (laughs) Michaels telegraphs another back body drop allowing the franchise to nail a single-arm DDT and a tombstone piledriver. And the ref looks to stop the match, but Francine stops him from calling for the bell, allowing Shane to keep up the attack with a belly-to-belly suplex for the pin and and the the win. win. And good on Cody. He just plays up being complete dead weight, and, uh, and, you know, Shane Douglas makes that dead weight belly-to-belly look good. Great, because what does Shane Douglas do that's bad? Cody Michaels with the performance of a lifetime. <laughs> Job into the stars in the world's greatest bingo hall. Post-match, Douglas looks to leave, only for Francine to tell him to break Cody's neck. So he returns to lock on a full Nelson, swinging him around when Pitbull number two would storm out to the ring. Sending the franchise bailing out to the floor. It's personal. You can't just be breaking people's necks. Mm-hmm. Other wrestlers come back out to subdue the pit bull, but he just starts taking them all out with right hands. And number two goes to check on Cody, allowing Shane to sneak back in with a chair shot to the head of Pitbull, only for him to no sell. And Douglas takes off again, with number two giving chase in and around ringside. Only for the franchise to accidentally run over Francine, who had made her way into the ring. And Pitbull stops to check on her. So the wrestlers go to holding back once more, allowing Shane to come in with the title belt to nail number two with. And Pitbull no-sells once again. 
sending Douglas headed to the back for good as the wrestlers again tried to hold him back, with number two fending them all off with right hands. Old uh, Road Warrior Pitbull number two. Joel Gertner has made his way down to the ring to officially announce the franchise as the winner, when Pitbull would just stare him down. And Joel realizes what's about to happen. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, Fallaway slams him out onto the other wrestlers around ringside. Nice. (laughs) Gertner is pretty great at his little job, you know. As long as he can take a bump, right? Yeah. Like, throw him anywhere, throw him all all over the place. Let him talk as much shit as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he does a good job of it. Winning me over with his... Shit talking. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, is like he's never afraid to talk the shit. And then uh, as soon as he says it, like it's like, oh, oops. <laughs> but like he never, he never like thinks twice about just like uh-huh. about totally burying somebody uh, on the microphone. <laughs> it's very funny. We go to our fourth match: Two Cold Scorpio versus the Sandman for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And we haven't seen Too Cold since The Doctor is In, episode 212. So it's been a few months for us. A little bit. Yeah, I guess Too Cold has been kind of uh, missing. I mean, him and Sandman were tag partners there for, shit, probably at least six months. At least. And we get a feeling out process between the two to start, with Scorpio using holds to work on the arm and knee of the Sandman before they trade fists, sending Too Cold out to the floor. And Sandman, you know, recently had knee surgery, so there's a reason for the singling it out. Scorpio returns to the ring with a chair, so Sandman grabs his cane, but cooler heads prevail, and they shake hands. Only for Too Cold to go low with a knee and throw Sandman headfirst into the chair. Get him, Too Cold. Also, of course Sandman got knee surgery. Have you seen his leg drop? It's horrendous. (laughs) He hurts himself more than he could have ever hurt anybody else. Scorpio continues the punishment with kicks, continuously stopping the Sandman from grabbing the kendo stick, even using it a few times himself. But he eventually misses a drop kick, allowing Sandman to take hold of the kendo. Sandman swings and misses, so too cold with a thrust kick allows him to go back on the offensive with a side slam and a top rope leg drop for a two count. Scorpio nails a moonsault for a near fall before heading up top again. The Sandman cracks him over the head with a cane, causing Too Cold to crotch himself. Sandman then climbs up and Hurricanrana Scorpio down to the mat for an earfall. But Too Cold comes right back with a power slam and goes up for the tumbleweed. Only for the Sandman to move in time and crawl over on top of Scorpio for the pin and the win. Tumbleweed. It's like with one thing you do the moonsault, but tumbleweed I'm like... I don't want somebody down there. <laughs> Post-match, Sandman is celebrating. But when he turns, Tyler is in the ring. Oh, good. I know. It was like people were yelling bullshit when the match ends. And I was like, are they like turning on Sandman? Or because there's not enough garbage in this match? <laughs> or uh, did they see Tyler before? I did. I couldn't quite figure it out. And Tyler's actually dressed like his dad. Oh, my gosh. And the two hug... When Raven would rush in and attack from behind with a cane shot to the head, followed by an even flow DDT. I'm so surprised. 
Tyler and Raven both pose as the nest makes their way out to set up some tables on top of each other at ringside. And Raven drags Sandman out onto the table to pile drive him through both of them as Brian Lee stands in the entryway to prevent help from arriving. Raven's revenge. And on the video, it cuts away to our next match. But what we don't see is one of the most controversial moments oh, no. in ECW history. Tell me all about it. I'm upset. This is what we watch this crap for. I want the controversy. Right? Yeah. The Nest bring a crucifix out. Why Why didn't... Is this just... Proceed to tie the Sandman to the cross, <sighs> even putting a crown of thorns made of barbed wire on his head. I've been waiting for this to happen for what feels like years. Why didn't I get to see it? Security would come down, but were unable to untie the Sandman. So they were forced to carry him out of the arena on the cross. Incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> why is why is this on YouTube? And the reason there's no footage of it is because Kurt Angle threatened a lawsuit if it was ever shown with him on with the him show. on the show. So can I find it on YouTube? There are stills of him on the crucifix, but there is no Damn. video out yeah. there. I've never been mad at Kurt Angle before. Yeah. I I under I understand I just that it's God damn it, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. I understand that it's blasphemous, but it's twenty twenty three. Live and let live. <laughs> also, because of it everyone kinda got riled up in the back, you know, Kurt Angle threatened lawsuits. Other wrestlers wrestlers weren't very happy about it either. I mean we Mainly, all know wrestlers are dreamer. Yeah. Wrestlers are Typically, uh, Republican and Christian. Just, just saying. Oh. Not that they all are, but typically. But Raven, <laughs> but Raven was forced to come back out, and as Scott Levy, he apologized to the crowd. Wow, that's crazy. Damn, I remember the cruci- hearing about the crucifix thing, but I didn't know all of that information. I assumed it was on camera. I didn't know about all the drama. Uh, I didn't know that he came out as himself and said, hey, sorry, that was tasteless, which it is, but everybody hears at an ECW show. It's extremely tasteless. Yeah. So offended to be at an ECW show when this <laughs> yeah. happens after they spent half the show already talking or screaming out loud that you suck dick. Or... And yeah, you're a whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, but, but yeah, but... God forbid, mm. we uh, you know we, we uh, acted yeah yeah. God forbid we inspired <laughs> Mel Gibson to make a film in, in this evening. You guys want to know what the irony of all of it is, though? <laughs> uh, Kurt Angle was in the WWF whenever when uh, Austin thing. was crucified. Uh, well, the paycheck was bigger. <laughs> ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> and the boss man said, "I don't give a fuck what you think. We're doing yeah. it." Uh huh. Because you know yeah. what? In that case, it's some good shit. Vince McMahon has no time for God because he is his own God. Mm-hmm. He's wrestled God, damn it. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. So we go to our fifth match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus the Miracle Violence Connection of Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. That name... That name, the Miracle Violence Connection. <laughs> well, you have to think about it. That was, I think, the name I know, was it's there. Like translated Japanese tag team names. So yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so that's probably why. It's always funny whenever you see like the names of Japanese pay-per-views and stuff because it's like these words are missing like <laughs> words in between them or they're in the wrong order, and then they just be like, yes, it's uh yeah, it's happy love fight, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Happy uh-huh. love fight, boom. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. I want to remind revenge, everybody, revenge of summer. <laughs> and I want to remind everybody that Terry Gordy showed up in WWF. Six days ago. Yes, he sure the, did. As the executioner. Oh, and that's right. you know who else is about to remind us of all of that? The ECW arena. <laughs> that's right. The Miracle Violence Connection comes in through the front doors instead of from backstage, but they get attacked as soon as they are in the ring, with Dr. Death and Saturn brawling out to the floor. Bam Bam takes Cronus down in the ring, but John comes back with a spinning heel kick before whipping Gordy to the ropes only to have another kick caught by Bam Bam, followed by a dragon screw leg whip. Yeah, the crowd's kind of uh, dead here at the beginning, so that's probably why they start to play games. I mean, it's Dr. Death, Steve Williams match. It's Terry Bam Bam Gordy, who... He's, he's not great, he's neat and all, but he's not what he once was. <laughs> and I, you could probably say that about both of them. Yeah, and then, I mean, I'd be cheering loud as hell for... Uh, I almost called him Pattern. Pattern. Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has male pattern baldness. But hey, he wears it well. He does. John is then ping-pong punched by Williams back to Gordy, who drives Cronus into a corner. Bam Bam with another dragon screw and a body slam before Dr. Death comes in, only to be viciously clotheslined down by John. And Williams gets whipped to a corner, followed by a Cronus handspring back elbow only to no-sell it and deliver a release German. Oof. Dr. Death continues with chops and a crossbody into a corner onto John, which also lands Williams on the apron to clothesline Perry down to the floor. The Miracle Violence Connection double-team Cronus with a whip-aided clotheslines and power slams for a two-count, followed by a double-team shoulder block for a near-fall. Gordy hits a boot and a bulldog for a two-count followed by a double-team clothesline on John for a near-fall. And Dr. Death keeps up the attack with punches, hard whips into a corner, bam-bam with a vertical suplex for a two-count. It's around this time the uh, crowd starts to chant, rest in peace. Followed by a turnbuckle smashes and running clotheslines, making a cover, only for Saturn to break up the pin. And Williams runs in as well, taking Perry to the floor, only for Dr. Death to miss a clothesline allowing Saturn to powerbomb Williams onto the concrete. Ugh, nasty. Ouch. That's just gross. Back in the ring, Gordy's laying Cronus out with several short-arm clotheslines until John ducks a fourth attempt to nail a German suplex. I love, there's somebody in the crowd, or a couple people, who thought it was really funny to start uh, yelling out Grave Digger at, um, <laughs> at Bam Bam, and I was like, hey, yeah. I put it all together at the Gravedigger part. I was like, rest in peace, what's going on? I was like, I said Gravedigger. I was like, oh, I get it. Absolutely Smart get it. Smart crowd. Uh-huh. <laughs> Friggin' nerds. Cronus makes the crawl to the corner for the hot tag. Perry with a drop kick to Bam Bam, but he telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Gordy to hit a power bomb, only for Cronus to break up the pin. Bam Bam then gets double teamed by the Eliminators with a fireman's carry top rope splash combo for a two count before nailing total elimination 
for the pin, and no, Dr. Jeff jumps in to break it up. Probably shouldn't have. That was a nasty total. Damn it, Steve. Williams gets sent out of the ring with a double-team shoulder block before John body slams Gordy, followed by Saturn climbing to the top of the scaffolding above the ring. No. Which we'll talk about more later. (laughs) Diving off with an elbow drop for the pin and And the the win. Post-match, Perry and Bam Bam get stretchered out. Saturn's selling his arm, probably for good reason. And this would be the last Miracle Violence Connection match ever, as well as Gordy's final match in ECW. Wow. Can you blame him? He already showed up in WWF. <sighs> yeah. Lucky that he probably was able to finish out his bookings. I'd, I'd rather make 150 digging holes than $50 hanging out. In a bingo hall. In a bingo hall, bumping in dangerous, you know, elevated areas. We then go to our sixth match. The Can-Am Express of Dan Crawford and Doug Furness yeah. versus Rob Van Dam and Sabu. And we pick this match up in progress as Furnace and RVD are fighting on the apron. When the homicidal one would triple jump in, only for him to miss and take Van Damme down with a DDT through a table. Fucked up, dude. Shit's fucked up. <laughs> the Express rolls Sabu back in to hit a double team back body drop, making the cover, only for the homicidal one to get a boot on the ropes. Doug with a leg drop for a two count. Followed by Crawford going for a suplex, only to be reversed by Sabu, allowing him to crawl to his corner, but RVD is still laid out. And Dan locks on a Cobra Clutch. The homicidal one stays alive, only to be suplexed for a near fall. Crawford then hip tosses Sabu, before applying a cross arm breaker for a moment, followed by Furnace coming in to nail a power slam for a two count. And Doug tosses the homicidal one into the scaffolding at ringside before locking on a lion tamer style crab when Van Dam would hit him from behind with a clothesline. And Crawford returns to work the legs of Sabu until he fights back to reverse a hip toss into a DDT, crawling over this time to make the hot tag. RVD flies in with a somersault senton onto Dan, drop kick to Furnace. Spin kick on Crawford for a near fall. Another spinning heel kick and a standing moonsault gets two, before delivering a butterfly suplex onto his face for a near fall. Ouch. But Dan responds with a vicious clothesline. A, rec- a recip? Receipt? A little bit. The uh, Furnace and Crawford are big guys that are going to drop you on your head. They've got a, uh, a Steiner's vibe. Very much. Yep. Which, you know, we love to see it. Van Dam's back up to hit another spin kick on Doug before tagging in the homicidal one to nail Air Sabu on Furnace, followed by a triple jump leg drop. An RVD and the homicidal one hit a combo slingshot splash slingshot leg drop Beautiful. on Doug. But Crawford breaks up the pin. And Van Dam brawls with Dan, taking him out of the ring as Sabu hits a springboard moonsault for a near fall. The homicidal one also hits a triple jump moonsault, making the cover, but we see Crawford flying in off the top rope, 
So Sabu moves, causing Dan to land on Furnace with a splash. And Crawford can't believe he just did that. What did I do to my friend? So he wanders around. He's uh, beside himself. All distraught. Hands in the air. While the homicidal one makes the cover again. Dan sees it and tries to break it up. But RVD trips him up from the outside, allowing Sabu to get the pin and the win. Post-match, the homicidal one starts to leave, but returns to the ring and teases throwing a chair at Van Dam, only to instead offer a handshake. And RVD accepts, and the two men hug. For the first time, and it's like, oh, he was flirting. They were just flirting the whole time. Friendship. He's like, I'm going to hit you. No, I'm going to hug you. It's nice to see. Nice, A nice yeah, moment. Absolutely. This is kind of what I wanted when Doug Furness and Dan Crawford showed up. was them <laughs> versus Harvey and Sabu. Because those two guys will uh, bump for them, and they will throw them around the ring. And uh, my God, this wasn't boring. So we go to our seventh match. Prime time, Brian Lee versus Tommy Dreamer in a scaffold match. Scaffold? Yes, a scaffold match. Is that a scaffold? I mean, it's a... <laughs> it's something. Something above <laughs> the, ring. the ring that they're going to fight on. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll probably detail it a little bit. So Tommy attacks in the entranceway with a trash can, taking the fight into the crowd with Dreamer using walls, vending machines, and trash can shots off of the vending machine to deliver punishment. I love the use of the wall. They have that one spot where they're like, okay, well, we'll we're just, just going to get... Plastering yeah, we're just going to keep we're just gonna keep getting drywall and putting it, and that's, this is the spot where you put somebody's head through the wall every time, guys. See, what I would really love is if for some reason or somehow that section of that wall there was like the old... Shockmaster walkthroughs. Oh, yeah. Spot. <laughs> That'd be fun. They just took that spot, installed it into an existing building, and then just had it just repurposed over and over and over again for something to be busted through. Lee takes control around the eagle's nest, bouncing Tommy's head off walls, merch tables, throwing a trash can and a pumpkin at him. Did you see the spot where like a fan like jumps down from... like? the rafters in between the wrestlers and he has a beer in his hand doesn't spill his beer someone automatically gets him out of the way but it's, he's, he's like oh i don't think he i don't think it was a like 80s thing where like the fans got too worked up tried to attack somebody i think that he was just like oh the camera's right there i'll just probably had one too many beers i'm gonna do something silly but big ups to him didn't even spill his <laughs> cup of beer and Tommy's busted open as they continue to brawl in the bleachers when Primetime throws an ice chest at Tommy, followed by dropping him dreams first on a guardrail. <laughs> they finally make it back to ringside where Tommy uses a cookie sheet to the head of Lee, but the favor is immediately returned. Dreamer's tossed into multiple guardrails before being power slammed onto the concrete. And Primetime has a pumpkin pie thrown in his face. Before they brawl over who will climb up the like scaffolding yeah, up yeah. to the up to the top first. It's a, like the scaffolding is only like if you've seen a scaffold match, there's it's on both sides of the ring and it goes above the ring. This only has the one side to climb up, and then the rest of it is like held up by ropes. ropes. <laughs> like it's crazy looking. It looks like it's just they got like plywood and some ropes and like some eye 
eye hooks. Like, you know, it's crazy looking. It's, it's a very ECW rig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. It was Paul, it was, uh, Paul E. rigged. And it's sad because, I mean, I swear they had a better scaffold or whatever the hell it was for JT and Dark Patriot. Oh, of course they did. Those years back, yeah. you know, before they were really anything. Now they're becoming something. Why don't they have better scaffold yet? Yeah, I don't know. Come on, Paul. Did they have NWA money at that point? Um, I mean, true. they got probably they more have. money than NWA at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe they borrowed it of, you know, back then. Lee gets the advantage to go up first, but Tommy follows quickly afterwards, only to be face-planted on the bridge. But he retaliates with a low blow and a DDT. And we also get our first look at what awaits them in the ring. It's a plethora of tables stacked two by two upon each other. It's full of triple stack tables. Was, was there some triple it's, stacks? It's triples. It's like mm-hmm. three all the way around. I thought it was only two. It's it's triple. Okay. It's tall. It's tall. Yeah, there was a double stack in an earlier match. They went triple for, uh, for this one. And Dreamer tries to push primetime off, only to be poked in the eyes. So they return to trading strikes. Atop the scaffolding. Yeah, they're on their knees doing the, you know, because standing up, oof, that would be, make me sweat watching it. Lee grabs the throat for a prime time slam, only for Tommy to kick his way free until Dreamer tries to find some space, and he falls onto a beam, he gets crotching some... himself, but he saves himself from falling off. Yeah, because, like, the scaffold is, like, the platform or whatever. There's the but bridge, it, and yeah. then it has, like, there's like beams underneath to yeah. kind of hold it in place. Yeah, and the wooden beams are just going like underneath it to hold it up, and then those are like tied See, I to like a those rope. Wooden beams that were underneath it just look like old tables that you know, <laughs> had been broken and just very possibly could have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the beam is the part that's like holding it all. I wouldn't want. I definitely wouldn't want to take a a crotch to that because I would just be afraid that it would all come down. Mm-hmm. They trade strikes again, with Tommy going low before finally sending Lee falling off through the tables with a punching frenzy. Oh my god! It's fucking nasty. Post-match, the doctors check on primetime as officials attempt to remove the wreckage. And Dreamer climbs back down to ringside to celebrate before making it to the Eagle's Nest to celebrate with the fans. Yeah, he can't celebrate in the ring because, uh, well, number one, someone needs to check on Brian Lee and it's True. full of tables. While Lee is being stretchered out and we fade to black. I mean, I didn't expect Brian Lee to take the bump. I was not either. I yeah. just assumed, all right, well, here we go again, Tommy. Yeah, and it sure is nice to hear the original music. I mean, Tommy Dreamer wins and Alice in Chains starts playing and you're like, hell yeah. Which is really <laughs> funny because the song they use for the, like, network is like the basically like a karaoke version of the song it's like really close as far as like the riff goes because i noticed it on a show i watched after this where i was like oh wow they really did get really close with this one i believe it's uh wood probably the best house and chain song right man in the box oh it's not wood it was a man in the box i guess yeah it is bam 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 yeah i can hear the riff now not as good of a song still a good song so I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of High Incident? Nice and short. Yeah, it was enjoyably short. Uh, Impressive spots. 
a few surprises. Kurt Angle. But knowing what we've missed on it. I'm sad now. It's yeah. like, then what the hell is the point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Furnace and Sabu RVD was really, really fun. Uh, I appreciate right. the lack of garbage, even though there was a scaffold match. I'm always going to appreciate that. The, the walk and brawl was Tommy Dreamer and Brian Lee, and they didn't overdo it. No. It's when there's four to six people doing the walk and brawl that like you really can't be bothered to care. And you don't just see them do the walk and brawl once or t- you know even twice. <laughs> yeah. You get you know, it's like now you go in the, the ring. The eliminators and we'll running brawl. down to the ring yeah. for the third time of the night, yeah. or the gangsters showing up with you know a frying pan this time, a toilet seat the last time. Yeah, a Sega Master System. <laughs> yeah, it's. Much easier than I expected it to be. We like the we like when ECW goes down smooth. Yeah, the moment that makes this show something isn't able to be shown, so it does take it down a notch. And I kind of feel other than the main event, which being a scaffold match you're not going to see on just you know weekly TV usually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, Every, everything else was very TV match quality. Yeah. I do no, think that, nothing, yeah. nothing shined bright, but I didn't think anything was just terrible. There's good character stuff. Shane Douglas, Candido, Taz, and then Sebu and RVD, handshake and hug. And honestly, I think the Furnace and uh, Crawford versus RVD and Sebu was the most entertaining for me because I'm a fan of all four guys, and I think that they did a solid job of like doing a... Not they weren't trying to do a main event match, but everybody got their stuff in, and you know, what more could you ask for from those four guys? And I'm also you know high on Furnace and Crawford because I haven't watched their work in Japan. I've only seen them in ECW, so every time they show up, I get excited. Yep, I'm not uh, over uh, overexposed to them at this point. Yeah, I've I've seen some some Furnace and WCW. I think that's where I saw him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'd never really seen uh, what's Crawford. his name? Crawford. There yeah, we go. until recently. And like honestly, I was like, okay, well, who is this guy? And then he shows up, and I'm like, oh, well, he's also great. Mm-hmm. He is the perfect tag team partner for Doug Furness. Makes sense that they made money in Japan. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right, fuck you. I think it's time we spark it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Handshake hug. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, for sure. Uh, Chris I mean, Candido. Which I guess technically could kind of be one of the best. Yeah. Worst moments just because he kept the cool oh, thing yeah. off the show. Yeah, yeah. And a surprise because I didn't realize he was going to be there on this one. For sure. Candido coming back and... Having his little heartfelt moment. Yeah. And then... You can feel it. Tell him, guys. Fuck off. Yep. Cody Michaels. Because him and Shane Douglas are, like, really good friends. He got so much in in that match. He did get way more in than I expected, and it all looked pretty good. But then uh, when he ragdolls him at the end, he really sold the ragdolling, trying to break his neck or whatever, just to rub it in the face of the pit bulls. Like, this show is an easy watch. I don't think there's anything on here that just, like, stinks on ice. No. Mm -mm. Absolutely. It's good to see Spike Dudley. We had, I think, this about is, him this on is our show. first time to see him wrestle. We have talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. his um, corner bump. Like I was like, ooh, I got a visceral, vis- I mean, visceral Spike reaction. Spike Dudley takes some of the most 
vicious bumps. Is he the Sam Houston of, of ECW? He might be. Uh, <laughs> That's high praise for me if you've listened to uh, when this show took place, when we were covering the WWF <laughs> in a while. In a, yeah, <laughs> How about most disappointing? Not getting to see the, the, the footage. Yeah, right. which I, I, can't, uh, I can't believe it. We're still doing the fucking Tyler show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sick of this kid. I, I will say, him. as far as the Tyler Never show goes... Never let him out of his room. Like, I didn't think that they were actually going to reunite, but the Sandman dropping to his knees to hug his kid actually did get a little bit of emotion out of me. Even though I knew that it wasn't going to be... It was gonna all be, a ruse. That it was, I knew it was all a ruse as soon as he came out, but it still got to me because Sandman kind of sold the mental anguish better than he sells most things. The, it's like his wrestling may not be good, but he can sell an emotional moment. <laughs> yeah, he can. Yeah, he can sell getting his ass kicked because uh, <laughs> he ruins his body when he does the moves, let alone when other people do them to him. Another surprise for me was I thought Dreamer would take the bump. I didn't think Brian Lee's six five ass was going to take the bump. But is that disappointing? Kind of, because I would rather have the smaller guy go through the tables, just because Brian Lee is is uh, that's a that's a harder fall for a bigger man. I mean, it was actually it might be a best moment because they might be done with their feud. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I don't hate Brian Lee, but he never quite he never quite like got to be over because I know he was like the a Smoky Mountain like champion early on. Like, I imagine that there's a, an upside to him, but here doing these big walking brawls and being, like, kind of the, like, biker version of Big Bubba is, like, it's fine, but he never he never quite turns himself into 911. Yeah. No charisma. He just doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have it here. I'm not saying he doesn't have it at all. He might be really fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> How about best performer of the night? Everybody that we've seen before does, like, meets their standard completely. So do we give it to Spike or Cody Michaels for uh, being a little I fresh? kind of was thinking Cody Michaels yeah. just for the sheer fact that, like... He let him get his stuff in and it looked good. I mean, I mean he trained with Shane Douglas. Was never expecting him to get that much stuff, so... <laughs> Cody was good, Gertner... Gertner's a good choice yeah, as well. Good. Yeah, Gertner's definitely been a bit on a bit of a come up because like it's always like ah whatever this guy, but he's kind of feeling himself as far as the character goes now, and uh, it's yeah, and the uh, and the more he the more he's about it, the more the crowd is going to react, yep. and uh, they're starting to in a more genuine way, as opposed to like oh yeah we're just supposed to boo you because we boo you. It's like no now we hate this guy. And how about most surprising? Oh, I already I mean, said that. You're, you did say you're most surprising. <laughs> I mean, Kurt. I mean, Kurt showing up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I knew he shows up, he showed up at some point. I just didn't know exactly where. So mm-hmm. when I turned it on, yeah, this was here the show he comes. The I was just like, oh, yeah. all right, cool. Did this was the show the crucifix was on. I figured. And then it was I was like, pay-per-view? and then like as soon as I saw him, I was like, wait, this is the show the crucifix is on. And yeah. Then, I'm like fast forwarding. I'm like fast forwarding to see if it's actually there, and it's not. And I'm just like, oh. see, I think in my I head, try, I I looked everywhere yeah, to yeah. see if I could find footage. And I think I've seen the photos before. Uh, I feel like that in my head, it would have been on a heat wave, a November to remember, like one of the, you know, one of their like 
big quote shows. unquote big big four or whatever. But yeah. high incident, high incident, and then him uh, apologizing, pretty wild. I can't imagine apologizing to an ECW crowd for anything. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, my character was out of line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we're just heathens who like. Black Next time really I'll hang him instead much. of crucify him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know that that's much better. <laughs> Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. <laughs> this week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? You get five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. Richard Blood. I'm just kidding. I just always think about it whenever we get to this game because it's just the perfect wrestling name. And I guess he was too big of a babyface to ever use it. <laughs> the name you're going to get this week is Matt Osborne. Matt Osborne. And this is 1993 and 1994. So it's Doink the Clown. That is correct. Because <laughs> his name's Matt Bourne. They just got the Oz off of it. Also, shout out to uh, Dark Side of the Ring. That was one of the episodes earlier. Is in the that season. his actual name? Was Osborne? Yeah, Matt, okay. Matt Osborne. Yeah. I mean, I knew Matt Bourne part, but I didn't realize it was I, I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> but then I just had to go for it. Nicely done, Mikey. Next week, Halloween Havoc 1996. Oh, brother. We're, yeah. We're going for another Havoc, huh? I mean, we've got a... Uh, a, a is, it, is, it, is it a full nil on like good Halloween Havocs? There's been fun ones. Spin the wheel, make the deal. There's been yeah, there's fun been, stuff. There's been fun, but they there's haven't the, necessarily been good. The crazy cage match that catches... Uh, the cage that catches fire and has that wonderful... Uh, Where they killed Mood, Abdullah. Yeah, yeah. Muda match. The electric yeah. chair thingy. Uh-huh. Muda... <laughs> Puts the fire out. Rick Rick Steiner is the smartest guy in the ring. Yeah, there's plenty of Havoc stuff that is worth searching out and seeing just for the fact that it happened. Not necessarily because it's classic. Yeah. So, you know. This is going to be our first NWO-filled Havoc. So, hmm. Yeah, well, the orange man. Get a pumpkin over his head. (laughs) Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. And Tommy Dreamer won our main event. So we play his theme music, Man in the Box by Allison Chain. Wow, 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 If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate, review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at, including Spotify. Spot, spot, Spotify. They're all there now. They're all there. All of them. Thanks, Joe Rogan. <laughs> he carved the path. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Leave a review. Maybe we'll send you a magnet. Do like Joe did. Exactly. Yeah. Be like Joe. Be, be like be like Joe. Joe name redacted. Yes. Not necessarily Rogan. Uh, but hey, if you want to make yeah, if you can make money like him, go for it. Man. Joe, I'm gonna send you a, a photo of this lovely drink as well, so you can you can see it before anybody else. So. Yeah. We appreciate you. I feel you. like it should probably get posted to the old social media. Oh yeah, it's gonna be on the socials. Uh huh. Once we get through all of them, you gotta po- you should post the recipe. I'd like to think that Joe just 
was like, you know what? It's Saturday. I don't have to work tomorrow. And he just went and made all the cocktails. I'm going to have to write down recipes. <laughs> you have any questions, comments, concerns? Hey, uh, where are we going next? Las Vegas. Vegas. Yep. If you know more than a Vegas bomb from Vegas as far as food or beverage or whatever. Uh, cigarette oxygen, oxygen tank. Um, that's a meal in Vegas. A cigarette oxygen it's a, tank? A cigarette and an oxygen tank. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Like, what the? Uh-huh. What kind of, kind of combination is that? You it's, blow the, up? It's, the, it's the casino classic. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We'll see what the... Uh, Official, I can't remember if I've done an official sandwich for... Yeah, I think Las Vegas is like, oh, um, yeah. Nevada. A a, a gross buffet. Do some... Free alcohol. Here we go. (laughs) Like, we're going to go pick up a to-go box from a buffet down Uh the road. Yeah, it's a a poo-poo platter. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any of those things, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Thanks, Joe.